When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Friday, August 25th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Thunderstorms this morning, then more rain this afternoon. The high going to be 80, so kind of a washout of a day. Then the weekend, though, looks pretty nice. Saturday, partly cloudy, high 86. Sunday, sun and clouds, high 79. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 71 and cloudy in Mount Vernon, up in Westchester, 70 cloudy in Heightstown, down in New Jersey. And it is 71 in overcast here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. One of the um, first polls is out post-debate Wednesday night when the crew of GOP wannabes, excluding Donald Trump, took to the stage in Milwaukee, where the Republican convention will be held next summer. So they were asking voters what they thought of the debate. And what did you think when you watched it? One candidate sort of stood out for me among the others in terms of the amount of FaceTime and the amount of comments they made, and that was Vivek Ramaswamy. And uh, this poll that came out... uh, basically agrees with me, which means voters kind of agreed with me in terms of the way they watched this debate. They said whether they liked him or not, they thought Vivek Ramswamy uh, topped all these candidates as the best performing candidate in Wednesday's Republican debate, according to this poll that was commissioned by the New York Post. They spoke to about 1,800 voters, uh, 23% of self-identified GOP voters say Ramaswamy won the debate. 21% said DeSantis emerged victorious. So I thought it was interesting because, uh, again, this is just how my eye saw it as I watched it. Uh, I said, um, really, DeSantis? I would not have said that. Uh, former Vice President Mike Pence was a distant third in this uh, survey, and then everybody else was in the single digits of But here's the most important part of this post-debate poll, and you won't be shocked by this at all, I'm sure. Of the Republicans surveyed, 61% say they want the guy that wasn't there, Uh, the 77-year-old former president, Donald Trump, who was busy with his own things, and we'll get into those stories in just a moment. But they say, yeah, they've said, interesting night watching the debate, but the person they wanted to see was the one guy who wasn't on stage. Now we'll see if that lasts through the primary season. Uh, we still got a long way to go. Uh, and, of course, keep it here at 77 WABC for the latest on all that. In the meantime, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. Donald Trump has a mugshot now. Another migrant protest, this time in Brooklyn. COVID is creeping back. Do you care? Mortgage rates are keeping Americans in their homes. And would you vacation in central Jersey? 
503, let's jump right into it. By now, I imagine you've seen the picture of a scowling Donald Trump posing for his mugshot last night as he surrendered inside a jail in Atlanta on charges that he illegally schemed to overturn the 2020 election in Georgia. The booking photo, of course, instantly becoming part of the former president's legacy as he confronts these criminal charges in four American cities while seeking to reclaim the White House in 2024. His Campaign seizing on that image right away, fundraising off the mug shop uh, in uh, T-shirt sales, mugs. You can get pictures of the uh, former president and the money will go back to the campaign. Uh, Democrats say, of course, they will use the picture in their own way if the former president makes it as far as winning the GOP nomination next summer. Trump released on $200,000 bomb. He headed back to the airport afterwards for a flight back to Bedminster, New Jersey, to his golf club. And that's where he was last night. He did speak out a little bit. He did an interview with our own Greg Kelly on Newsmask last night. He also spoke to reporters as he headed to the airport. You should be able to challenge an election. I thought the election was a rigged election, a stolen election. He spoke briefly in Georgia after he was booked at the Fulton County Jail. He called the case a travesty of justice, that he did nothing wrong. Former president reiterated his claims of election interference in regards to 2024. And we have every right, every single right to challenge an election that we think is dishonest, that we think it's very dishonest. And the former president again pointing to the Democrats. He says they are behind all of these criminal cases, all four indictments. Blame them. What they're doing is election interference. They're trying to interfere with an election. There's never been anything like it in our country before. This is their way of campaigning. And then finally... He said, in the end, the most important part of the story, he says, is that he's innocent of all these charges, all four indictments, including this latest one in Georgia. What has taken place here is a travesty of justice. We did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And everybody knows that I've never had such support. Former President Trump was placed under arrest and booked at the Fulton County Jail last night. A um, former attorney of his says um, he didn't think the mugshot was necessary, but he understands why it was out there. Yeah, I think that they did want to do it for optics. The way that they're doing it down in Fulton County is very different from how they did it in New York and they're very different from how the feds did it. Yeah, I mean, we knew ahead of time this mugshot was going to come out. This is a unique experience for him. I mean, he did it in New York. Yeah. So uh, one of the interesting things that came out that made me smile when I was reading about this last night was uh, they were going to weigh the president and we were going to find out how much he weighed after this was all over. Not wasn't just the mugshot, but it was the weight. And as we know, just like anybody, the president doesn't necessarily want people knowing how much he weighs. Um, Most Americans would probably tell you that. And so uh, what came out of it, though, was that former President Trump lost 25 pounds and gained an inch of height since April. This is according to the jail records that were filed uh, last night. The 77-year-old's measurements indicate that Trump is 215 pounds with a height of 6'3". So that's 25 pounds lighter and an inch taller than he was when he was booked here in Manhattan back in April. So now... It's easy to understand that he could have lost 25 pounds, less easy to understand how he could have grown, because usually you stop growing at about 20 years old. So interesting, did, somebody got it wrong here, either in Georgia or here in Manhattan, but awfully interesting that he's an inch taller and 25 pounds lighter 
than he was when he was measured back here in Manhattan back in April. WABC News Time 508. It was less of a scene outside the courthouse jail than it has been in those three other indictments. Part of that is that it happened, uh, uh, you know, after sunset. So there were supporters of former President Trump who went to the Fulton County Jail, wanted their voices to be heard. President Trump doesn't need to be there. He needs to be back in the White House and making us have a big country again and making it so that we can be energy independent and we can be a rich country again instead of what Biden's doing, being on vacation for two or three years. And then there were people who were pretty darn happy that the president was booked and uh, arrested in Fulton County last night. For letting Trump know that the shenanigans they pulled in 2020 uh, were uh, insane and illegal. And it's uh, something to be celebrated that he's finally being held to account here in Fulton County. Yeah, this one voter uh, celebrating the Fulton County DA says she did the right thing. He's evaded punishment his entire life. Um, the the weight of these charges, I don't know if they're automatic prison or what, uh, but just the signal that he's being held to account and, and starting that process is is encouraging right now. And it wasn't just the former president, former White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, surrendering to authorities in the Georgia election case. Uh, legal reporter Ken Dalian says Meadows and Jeffrey Clark were booked on charges brought against them by local prosecutors in Georgia for their alleged role in schemes to overturn the 2020 race. Both have had bonds set for them at $100,000, and that came after a federal judge blocked separate requests by both men for an emergency stay to prevent their arrest in this case. The question of removal has not yet been decided, but the judge declined to grant their emergency request to block their arrest. So they will have to go forward with the booking process like everyone else. And the Georgia DA behind Trump's election case requesting that the trial begin as soon as October. Two months from now would be a very quick trial date. And of course, you can look at uh, the political consequences for Donald Trump if, in fact, the judge were to begin this trial that quickly. Reporter Vaughn Hilliard there says the Fulton County DA, uh, Fannie Willis, asking for the Trump racketeering trial to start October 23rd. The move comes after a co-defendant asked for a speedy trial. Trump urged prosecutors and judges to not begin their trials until the conclusion of the 2024 election. Kenneth Cheesebro was to have a speedy trial. She's been working on this investigation and this case if ultimately she were to bring an indictment as she did for two and a half years. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Four cases, four indictments. Could it start as early as October? Don't know yet. Uh, we'll see what the Trump lawyers say. I imagine they'll try to push that date back. Of course, as any information about this case comes in, make sure you keep it here. 77 WABC. 511. Let's go down to Washington. The Biden administration being forced to defend an immigration parole policy that's allowing tens of thousands of migrants to stay in the country for two years while they plead their case. Opponents say it's kind of an end around Congress. Just an attempt by the Biden administration to blow past the limits the Congress has placed on the admission of immigrants. That's Andrew Arthur with the Center for Immigration Studies as the White House has created a new visa program, essentially, which he says is unconstitutional. A federal judge in Texas will take up this lawsuit that's brought by nearly two dozen states. It's an issue that's so clouded in politics that it'll likely end up before the Supreme Court. The parole provision actually dates back to 1952, but Congress amended it in 1996 to stop power grabs by the executive branch. This is simply an end run around Congress so that it can allow anybody 
it wants into the United States. 512, while we're uh, down south in Texas, there are warnings today about possible rolling brownouts in Texas as the state's power grid struggles to keep up with demand. As it's been beautiful here for a lot of August, it continues to be like 100 and over 100 almost every single day. In fact, yesterday it was 107 degrees in San Antonio. Raise thermostats if it's safe to do so. And second, avoid using large appliances such as washers, dryers, and ovens. That's San Antonio's Mayor Ron Nirenberg. Texas big cities have been suffering through extreme heat wave that's been there practically the entire summer. The temperature at Houston's Bush International Airport broke a record of 107 degrees yesterday and that's what they're worried about as people crank up the ac maybe use appliances at the same time they could have blackouts if rolling power outages do occur they will likely be in 15 minute increments plan for batteries and alternative power sources to meet your needs when power goes out such as a portable charger or a power bank yeah it's not what you want to hear when it's 107 degrees out californians finding some new critters crawling around after they were hit by tropical storm hillary the rains came fast and heavy from hillary and brought some new wildlife to places in california in particular frogs and crayfish are turning up in backyards and creeks where they don't normally congregate more concerning than the larger animals are the mosquitoes which will have many more opportunities to lay eggs in the newly created standing water. I'm John Fink. Yeah, okay. 514, a late summer spike in COVID cases is a reminder that the virus is still out there and it's putting some people in the hospital. Plans for a booster are expected this fall, meaning it will fall in line with the annual flu shot. The question is, will anybody take this? The previous immunizations are not nearly as effective. The single most impactful thing you can do to protect yourself and your family is to get that booster. I mean, don't hear anybody talking about this, though. Baylor University infectious disease expert, Dr. Peter Holtz says it's unlikely most Americans will likely roll up their sleeve to get that booster. The acceptance of boosters has been pretty poor. Only about less than 20 percent of eligible Americans took the bivalent booster last year. Yeah, but in some places they are talking, ready for this, about masking up again. Uh, that's the case in at least Northern California at one Bay Area hospital. All patients, staff and visitors at Kaiser Permanente Santa Rosa Medical Center will have to wear a mask. The move is temporary and comes as the number of people testing positive for COVID-19 increases. SARS-CoV-2 virus levels found in wastewater samples in Santa Rosa more than doubled in one month. The levels put Santa Rosa in the moderate risk tier for community spread. I'm Dina Kodiak. Maybe it's just my neighborhood, but I've definitely noticed more people are masking up. At least that's in my neighborhood. And even here in Manhattan, I've noticed more people wearing masks over the last couple of weeks. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Friday. Good morning, Justin Ellick. Happy Friday. Good morning to you, Noam Litton. Welcome back. Oh, thank you very much. How was your uh, time off? It was most excellent. Thank you very much. Was it really? You feel refreshed? Uh, Well, now I don't. I did until I woke (laughs) up this morning. (laughs) Yeah, right back into the grind. We'll start in the Bronx, though, no. The Yankees got back to losing, albeit putting up more of a fight than they usually do in falling 6-5 to the Washington Nationals in last night's series finale. Washington's Alex Paul and C.J. Abrams both hit respected jacks off of Tommy Canely in a four-run seventh inning, spoiling earlier, homer, earlier homers from Aaron Judge and Gleyber Torres that gave the Bombers a quick lead. To the Yankees' credit, they didn't roll over and surrender in this one with runs in the eighth and ninth to chip into the deficit. Ultimately, it was not enough, though, as New York takes another series loss into Tampa Bay 
for a three-game set with the division rival Rays. First pitch for Game 1 is set for tonight at 6.40 p.m. with Garrett Cole scheduled to start against Tampa's Zach Eflin. As for the Mets, they were off last night but get set to welcome in the L.A. Angels for the weekend starting with tonight's 7.10 p.m. first pitch for Game 1. Kodai Senga gets a start against L.A.'s Patrick Sandoval. In the NFL's final week of preseason action, the Steelers beat the Falcons last night in Atlanta 24 to nothing. while the Colts took care of the Eagles in Philly. By a score of 27 to 13. Looking ahead locally to preseason action coming up this weekend. The Jets and Giants will go head to head at 6 p.m. tomorrow night in a game that will indeed get a glimpse of Aaron Rodgers under center for Gang Green and the Jets. Wait, you know, they're really putting Aaron Rodgers out there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you've been away, I guess. You you, you don't know. But yes, they've been uh, all week, really. I mean, they, they announced this, like, I think, really following the game from last weekend. They announced <laughs> that he would at least uh, play a drive or two. Huh. He hasn't played a preseason game in forever, no? In, uh, forever, yeah, let alone as long as he's been, like, a starter, maybe, huh. to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't know. A... I don't know if that's a smart move. No, well, we'll see. And it was, well, you know, we were joking earlier. Though. I mean, not joking, because we don't want to wish uh, unwell on anybody. But uh, we did make the, um, the joke earlier in the week that it would be something if the Giants were the ones responsible for injuring him yeah. in the preseason. That's true. <laughs> no, I'm not your sports, and I'm Justin Ellick. WABC News Time 519. Let's go out to Alaska, the state of Alaska, monitoring Japan's release of treated radioactive wastewater from the Fukushima nuclear power plant. The uh, a correspondent there, Janice Freyer, says the release uh, started in the early afternoon yesterday. They're pumping it through a tunnel that extends about a half mile out from the coast, 40 feet underwater. They diluted this treated wastewater before the process began. Scientists say the move could potentially impact Alaska's waters. The Prime Minister of Japan says the controversial step is important to the plant's decommissioning and its recovery process. After that 2011 earthquake and tsunami ruined the plant's cooling systems, that disaster caused reactors to uh, melt and contaminate the cooling water. Until now, it's been held in these massive storage tanks, but the tanks are nearly full, so that's the issue. Janice Freyer, the reporter there, says one concern is the levels in the wastewater, which could be damaging to Alaska. They're using this very powerful filtration system to treat the water. It's removing most radioactive material, but not tritium. Yeah, environmentalists, Alaskan authorities say they're watching this all very closely today. 520, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie's, uh, Chris Christie, he was asked about UFOs during the debate on Wednesday night. It seemed to me like an odd question in the middle of it all. It was the Fox News Channel moderator, Martha McCallum, who asked Christie about unidentified flying objects. Uh, he seemed to be a little thrown off by the question. I imagine they rehearsed just about everything, but probably not that question. I get the UFO question? Is, yeah, you know. Come on, there man. Yeah, so he was uh, out, uh, as were so many of the candidates post-debate yesterday, talking about how they did. And Chris Christie uh, going again uh, after uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, the uh, former New Jersey governor, and Ramaswamy went after each other during the debate, uh, made for maybe some of the better moments. So, you know, you want to smack me? I'm from Jersey. You smack me, you're going to get a smack or two back. 
Uh, more from uh, Chris Christie talking about this post-debate. At least that's what this is supposed to be. The guy who's who's barely ever voted. Yeah, okay. So, okay. Anyway, uh, he says he thinks he won the debate. Uh, again, we started the show with that poll that said most uh, Americans who watched it in this poll done by the New York Post found that Vivek had actually won it. Uh, and then you had people out on the streets here in New York City. The real question was how many people watched it? It had big numbers on Fox News. I mean, uh, more viewers than they normally get in that 9 to 11 period. But a lot of New Yorkers say they didn't really watch this two-hour show down. They say it's too early. They say 50%, 40% in the polls. How many people do they poll? And you know what? Hillary was also number one in the polls a week before she lost. So Yeah, uh, a lot of these people said uh, they were just, you know, end of the summer, still on vacation, not paying that a close attention just yet to the White House race. No, we did not. No, we did not. No. No, I didn't. I was out with my girlfriend, Sarah. No, I did not, because I'm not interested. No, I didn't watch it. Unfortunately, no, I didn't. Yeah, there's a lot of people who said they did not watch it, but most of our listeners, of course, probably did watch it. 522, uh, as the kids get ready to go back to school, some of them are already back in class. Every state in the nation has been facing difficulty because of the bus driver shortage. This started post-pandemic. It continues now. And there's real worries about how kids are going to get to school come after Labor Day. Hop Skip Drive, a ride-sharing company, conducted a survey among education and transportation professionals. The survey found that 92% of respondents reported operations were constrained by bus driver shortages. The top factors contributing to the shortage are issues recruiting new bus drivers, drivers retiring, low pay, drivers moving to the private sector, and the lasting impacts of COVID. Philadelphia is offering to pay parents $3,000 a year to drive their own kids to and from school. Meanwhile, Chicago is offering $500 per month to some families to transport their kids to school. Aaron Rayal, NBC News Radio. $3,000, that's a lot of money. New research is showing a connection between the consumption of fast food in teenagers and elevated mental health issues. The Melbourne Collaborative study found that teenagers who consumed large amounts of fast food were 14% more likely to experience a mental health crisis. Researchers looked at the mental health of individuals who ate large amounts of fast food between 13 and 17 years old. Officials say that processed foods are tied into a range of long-term health issues. I'm Mark Mayfield. Mortgage rates, they've hit a 22-year high. Rates soared to 7.3% this week. A year ago, the 30-year fixed rate in the U.S. was just over 5.5%. That's according to data from Freddie Mac. They've been above 65 all summer and have been creeping up since mid-July. I'm Mark Mayfield. Yeah, it's keeping people in their houses longer. The markets, they closed lower yesterday despite positive earnings from a major chip maker. Uh, expectations from this chip maker were, uh, were uh, to be lower and the numbers came out higher. Uh, now investors look towards Jackson Hole in a speech today from Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell. At the closing bell, the Dow fell yesterday 373 points. S&P 500 lost 59 points. The Nasdaq dropped 257 points. WABC 
News time, 525. Let's bring it back home. A drug suspect died after he was knocked off his scooter by an undercover officer attempting to arrest suspects in a drug bust in the Bronx on Wednesday. The man was fleeing the buy and bust sting when he was struck on Aqueduct Avenue about 530 in the afternoon by an officer who threw a plastic cooler at him as he tried to drive away on an electric electric scooter. Well, this man fell. His name is Eric Dupree. He was hit by that cooler and uh, then wiped out on his scooter, uh, crashed, and he was taken to the hospital. And that's where he died. Uh, People who knew him, uh, Eric Dupree, say he didn't deserve it. I think it shouldn't have happened. You know, I listen, I understand heat of the moment. I I could understand that. Uh, And we all make mistakes. I feel like humans, you know, we make mistakes. You know, you're professional. So the officer involved identified by the NYPD yesterday as Sergeant Eric Duran. Duran's actions now under internal investigation, and the officer's been suspended without pay. The sidewalk where Dupre died uh, has blossomed into a memorial, and his friends and family say regardless of what he was doing, drug dealing of some sort, allegedly, they say he did not deserve uh, how he died. It's a sad situation what happened. Yeah, could have been avoided. One thing that I would always appreciate was that I would come home in the morning, you know, tired, exhausted, waiting for parking, and he would ask me, hey, Eric, you know, let me get the car key. Uh, as soon as I find parking, I'll park the car for you. Police say the use of force was not consistent with their guidelines, and an official said they don't train officers to pick up something and throw it at a suspect. The attorney general's office now, the special investigation has opened an investigation into Dupre's death. 526, let's go not too far away, up to Yonkers, where police say three people stabbed outside a Dunkin' Donuts in Yonkers Thursday. Police say This is the latest in what's become a series of unrelated but serious acts of violence that started on Monday. Uh, These three who were stabbed, thankfully, that are all going to be okay. Police trying to figure out their connection to each other and the person who allegedly stabbed them. At least they they intervened before something more drastic had happened. That was a woman who was on the scene, says it was shocking to watch it. It was five in the uh, afternoon when it took place. They say all the victims in stable condition taken to the hospital. Police say the stabber has been arrested, but no details on a motive have been released. We are just getting started on this early Friday morning. So much more to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. There are still drones out at the city beaches looking for sharks. We're going to hear from some of the people who are operating these drones and what they're seeing out in the ocean, right? We haven't heard much from them. We will in just a moment. The Queen's DA vacating three wrongful convictions that sent people to prison for years on end. We'll hear from from the people who spent too much time behind bars for crimes they did not commit. There was another huge protest against the migrants being housed all over the city, this time in Brooklyn. And you'll hear some familiar voices of people who are there. We'll get into that story before the morning is out. And would you vacation in central Jersey? Well, Governor Murphy is hoping you would. We'll get into that and more after this. The 77 77- 
It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noam Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noam on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. It is 532. Uh, your Friday, uh, August 25th. Oh, this is what happens when you're on vacation. You forget how to do the show. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Thunderstorms this morning, then more rain this afternoon, high 80. Saturday, partly cloudy, high 86. And then Sunday, sun and clouds, high 79. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 71 in cloudy in Mount Vernon up in Westchester County, 70 cloudy down in Heightstown in New Jersey. And it is 71 and overcast here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour with the protests over the migrants. The latest one was at Floyd Bennett Field in Brooklyn yesterday. Incorrect. What's that? It was not at Floyd Bennett Field. Where was the protest? The Floyd Bennett Field protest, which was organized by Curtis and run by me and Curtis, was Tuesday night. Last night was in the Toys R Us parking lot on Flappish Avenue across the street from the municipal golf course about a mile away from Floyd Bennett Field on the Brooklyn side. And it was uh, attended by many, many politicians, but it was in the Toys R.S. parking huh. lot down the ways from Floyd Bennett Field. I'm glad you're here. That's why I brought you in. I, I'm, I have bad information here. I'm reading this copy. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Floyd Bennett was Tuesday night. But just so you know, right. the rallies, both of them, were put together because of the potential of the illegals ending up at Floyd Bennett Field. Did you? So there was a guy there who was really upset about this. Uh, let me let me play it for you. What's to stop one of these people who's been unvetted, unvetted, from jumping out of the bushes at four thirty in the morning and attacking my wife or daughter? You recognize that voice? Now, where'd you get that from? I'm curious. I have my sources. I may not have had the location correctly, but I had you. What's to stop one of these people who's been unvetted, Live unvetted, at the protest. jumping That's out of the bushes great. at four thirty you know in the morning? Is, and I- uh, you know, WPIX shows up. Lou was there on Tuesday night, and all these news outlets—they have no idea who I am. No idea. So I get up on stage, and I like the politicians, even Curtis. All I do is drop a bunch of f bombs. I give them my best Brooklynese because <laughs> right. I'm angry. Like you just right. said, who's this angry guy? And uh, they have no desire to talk to me. So they do all these reports, like Channel Eleven. Every time they interview Curtis, interview strangers on the street, some lady walking by, they never, ever, ever talk to me. Ever. It's great. And they here they clearly didn't ask you who you were. They Don't just, even ask me who I am. They, no. they but, had you up but, as just a random guy at the protest. Right. And then, of course, last night, unlike Tuesday's protest, Joanne Ariola, councilwoman from my district, Stacey Pfeiffer, a model who stole the election from my friend Tom Sullivan, they were there last night, but they were on one side of the stage. Me and Curtis, who they hate, we were on the other <laughs> side of the stage. It was great. Uh, I'm sorry I missed it. Maybe you should start wearing a beret that says Sid on it. Hey, maybe. In red. Oh, that's a good idea. And a big jacket with your yeah. name on it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that cut, though. I'm not sure where you got that because I there are no cuts sources. of me anywhere at either one of these rallies. Yeah, no, there you are. You want to hear it again just uh, for a third yeah, time? Yeah, please, one more time. Okay, hold on. 
What's to stop one of these people who has been unvetted, unvetted, from jumping out of the bushes at 4.30 in the morning and attacking my wife or daughter? I love that. It's a great cut. That's a great point because, as I said many times the last couple of days, Danielle is actually uh, right now warming up for her sixth New York City marathon. She's running it with Tom Biggers and the New York Police Department. And her run, uh, in fact, tomorrow she's going to run 16 miles, has her running right past Floyd Bennett Field. And sometimes she leaves at about 4 o'clock in the morning in the dark, and that's scaring the hell out of me. Well, I don't blame you. I'd be scared anyway, just in general. But now, of <laughs> yeah. course, maybe worse. So the uh, protesters say this is a, a terrible place to house anyone because it's far from any resources. Here were some of the other people hanging out with Sid last night. No means of transportation, no means of jobs, no means of anything. They're just dumping them here. There's a beautiful sports complex, aviators, do you think that's not going to be affected? Yeah, it's one of the questions last night. The problem with Floyd Bennett Field is that it floods. There's uh, no infrastructure for bathrooms. I mean, they're really setting up a tense city. And uh, you had politicians and people like Sid and Curtis who say this is the wrong place. There is no infrastructure there. There is no sewage there. The slightest rain falls. There is flooding. We are going into the fall where it's going to be colder. We're going into the flu season. It's a transit desert. Now, by the way. But it's not my friend Inna Vernikoff. It is. She was there last night looking uh, cute as always. Well, Governor Hochul, by the way, this isn't 100% a done deal. I mean, it sure looks like it is. But uh, nobody apparently has signed the dotted line. That's, that's what that, they're saying. The way to stop it is mm-hmm. to get a, uh, a legal injunction. So I'll give you a little quick update. Uh, John Tobacco, our friend from Wise Guys on Newsmax out of Staten Island, showed up last night. We've got two attorneys. One will join me coming up at 810 this morning. Very recognizable New York attorney, Lou Geronimo. And he is, as we speak, drawing up papers to try to stop this from happening on both the Staten Island side and the Brooklyn side. So now me, Curtis, and Tobacco have got lawyers involved. That's the way you stop it before a Hochul does what she wants to do. By the way, uh, while we're talking about New York City, of course, you have the 57 or however many other counties there are across New York State. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but so many of them have pushed back against taking any of these migrants. Mayor Adams trying to send them their way. One of them is a Suffolk County. And Governor Hochul was asked about that yesterday because there's rumors are that um, they want to send migrants to the Pilgrim Psychiatric Facility in Brentwood, the Kings Park Psychiatric Center in Kings Park and the Gabreski Air National Guard Base in West Hampton Beach. And lots of people on Long Island say, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's fine. This is New York's problem. We don't want it to become ours. Here was Governor Hochul saying that she thought all this talk of migrants to Suffolk County was a non-starter. We cannot and will not force other parts of our state to shelter migrants. All right, we're going to have more on this story in just a moment. WABC News Time 539. Let's continue on with this migrant steward. New York State's Labor Department launching a process now to connect migrants with jobs. Governor Hochul says the latest effort will allow migrants to immediately start working once they're granted legal work authorization. New Yorkers from across the state, Democrats and Republicans have asked me for help placing these migrants into jobs. Jobs that have gone filled, unfilled for too long. We are ready to act. 
as soon as these migrants receive work authorization. Now, Hochul had said there wasn't going to be migrant encampments in Suffolk County and some of these places suggested. But she did say yesterday that some of the migrants would have to relocate to other parts of the state to get some of these jobs. Literally the map of New York State, as well as the various sectors of work. We've obviously had conversations with the obvious ones, retail, hospitality, health care, agriculture. Commissioner Jackie Bray says getting migrants to work will help alleviate some of these overburdened shelters and uh, uh, take some of the pain away from taxpayers as well. We're picking up the tab. We're going to do everything we can to increase resettlement and to increase uh, ways to independent living uh, rather than um, resheltering. Which is one of the reasons we cannot and will not force other parts of our state to shelter migrants. Nor are we going to be asking these migrants to move to other parts of the state against their will. Yeah, so uh, back and forth there. Uh, sounds like she doesn't want them moving to other parts of the state, but she says some of these jobs that they hope to get the migrants, of course, are in other parts of the state. A lot of them upstate New York where they have um, a hard time filling a lot of the jobs there. 541, let's uh, go back over to Queens. It happened less than a month ago, right near the shoreline in the Rockaways. That woman savagely attacked by a shark as she was wading in the water, a 65-year-old woman who uh, we now hear from her family will be disabled for the rest of her life. And they've done as much as they can to repair her leg. But she's going to be hobbling along now from that shark bite. And uh, the drones that were put up by the Parks Department and the NYPD to look for sharks are still out there every day and will be until the summer season ends. And the people who are monitoring those uh, drones say, yeah, they've seen uh, sharks near schools of fish. And when they've needed to, they've warned lifeguards on the beach to get people out of the water. I would say it's scary, obviously, but we understand that it's the shark's territory. It's wildlife territory we're stepping into. And the Parks Department and the NYPD say these drones are now a permanent fixture in the skies along the Rockaways and in other beaches across the city. It was not a mild attack. It it seems shark attacks are becoming a little more prevalent lately. And uh, this was pretty close, pretty close inland. Of course, before that attack earlier this month, New York City had not seen a shark attack since the 1950s. The Queens District Attorney moving to vacate three wrongful convictions yesterday, giving justice to men who lost years of their lives behind bars for crimes they did not commit. Queens DA Melinda Katz filing motions with defense attorneys to vacate the convictions because she said new evidence came to light proving their innocence. Now, All of these men had actually already served their time, or almost all of it, Um, but it will wipe their records clean. Katz's office said in the case of Earl Walters, fingerprint evidence implicated other men in the 1992 abductions of robberies of two women. Walters served 20 years in prison for that crime, uh, but then was found to be not part of this crew that pulled off this crime. Uh, He got an apology from a judge yesterday, but he says that doesn't take away all the time that he spent behind bars for a crime he knew that he had not committed. It was like I was breathing, but I was dead. Yeah, and he said that uh, on the day that uh, he was arrested, they interrogated him for 16 hours. And he says... 
anybody would commit or even admit to a crime after 16 hours of sitting in a chair with police asking you questions. He said he got dizzy and woozy from all the questioning all those years ago. I was handcuffed to a, a refrigerator handle, you know. They said, they said it was 13 hours. It felt like 13 days. You start to believe what they're saying to you is true. Judge uh, Michelle Johnson over these uh, this uh, case yesterday also vacated the convictions of Armand McLeod and Reginald Cameron in the 1994 shooting death of a man. A review of the case found their confessions were unreliable because they were elicited by a detective connected to two cases involving false confessions. Uh, here they were yesterday talking about the uh, their freedom and the fact that now this has been wiped from their records. The death of the people that I never get to see anymore. That's not going to, you know, they can't bring those those moments back. Um, so, yeah, no, they didn't write a wrong. They admitted a wrong. Yeah, they don't get those years of life back. No two ways about it. Since its creation in 2020, the Conviction Integrity Unit has vacated 102 convictions. That's a lot. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noam Olin. Starting here in the Bronx, the Yanks got back to losing, albeit putting up more of a fight than they usually do in falling 6-5 to to the Washington Nationals in last night's series finale. Washington's Alex Paul and C.J. Abrams both hit respective jacks off of Tommy Canley in a four-run seventh inning, spoiling early homers from uh, Aaron Judge and Glaber Torres. That gave the Bombers a quick lead. To the Yanks' credit, they didn't roll over and surrender in this one with runs in the 8th and ninth to chip into the deficit, ultimately. It was not enough, though, as New York takes another series loss into Tampa Bay for a three-game set with the division rival Rays. First pitch for Game 1 is set for tonight at 6.40 p.m. with Garrett Cole scheduled to start against Tampa Zach Eflin. As for the Mets, they were off last night, but get set to welcome in the L.A. Angels for the weekend, starting with tonight's 7.10 p.m. first pitch for game one. Kodai Singa gets a start against L.A.'s Patrick Sandoval in the NFL's final week of preseason action. The Steelers beat the Falcons last night in Atlanta 24 to nothing, while the Colts took care of the Eagles in Philly by a score of 27 to 13. Looking ahead locally to preseason action coming up this weekend. The Jets and Giants will go head-to-head at 6 p.m. tomorrow night in a game that will see Aaron Rodgers under a center for game green, at least for the uh, first drive or two. The Jets are currently six-point road favorites in that one. No. Sports on 77 WABC. I am Justin Ellis. That you are. Thank you very much, Justin. WABC News Time 548. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. Uh, the biggest one, of course, Donald Trump down in Georgia yesterday. A scowling Donald Trump posed for a mugshot last night as he surrendered inside a jail in Atlanta on charges that he illegally schemed to overturn the 2020 election in Georgia. The booking photo instantly becomes part of the former president's legacy as he confronts criminal charges in four American cities while seeking to reclaim the White House in 2024. His campaign swiftly seizing on that mugshot fundraising off the first mugshot in American history of a former president. You can buy it on a T-shirt and a mug and the money will go to his campaign. The Democrats, they say they will seize on that mugshot as well and use it against the former president if he wins the GOP nomination and is the person that runs against whoever the Democrat may be. It sure looks, of course, like it'll be Joe Biden now. Trump released on $200,000 bond. He headed back to the airport after being booked for his flight home to New Jersey, back to the golf club in Bedminster where he spends his summer, flashing a thumbs up through the window of his sport utility.
utility vehicle as his motorcade left. Uh, he did speak to reporters for just a moment or two to talk about what had taken place. And he said that he had every right to challenge the elections back in 2020. You should be able to challenge an election. I thought the election was a rigged election, a stolen election. Trump calling the case a travesty of justice, saying he did no wrong. The former president reiterated his claims of election interference. And we have every right, every single right to challenge an election that we think is dishonest, that we think it's very dishonest. Trump says uh, the Democrats are behind all four of these criminal cases, and he said Americans should never forget that. What they're doing is election interference. They're trying to interfere with an election. There's never been anything like it in our country before. This is their way of campaigning. And most importantly, the president, the former president, saying that he's innocent of these charges in this fourth indictment in Georgia. What has taken place here is a travesty of justice. We did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And everybody knows that I've never had such support. Yeah, there was a fair amount of support outside the Fulton County Jail yesterday. What was different about this arrest as opposed to the three previous ones, which happened in the afternoon with crowds that could surge and get large? This one was uh, at night, and maybe that made a difference. The crowds weren't as large as they have been in the three other indictments, but there were a lot of Trump supporters outside the Fulton County Jail. This is one of them. President Trump doesn't need to be there. He needs to be back in the White House and making us have a big country again and making it so that we can be energy independent and we can be a rich country again instead of what Biden's doing, being on vacation for two or three years. There was a lot of people there, too, who were happy to see that the president was being booked. For letting Trump know that the shenanigans they pulled in 2020 uh, were uh, insane and illegal, and it's uh, something to be celebrated that he's finally being held to account here in Fulton County. He's evaded punishment his entire life. Um, the the weight of these charges, I don't know if they're automatic prison or what, uh, but just the signal that he's being held to account and, and starting that process is, is encouraging right now. The Georgia DA behind uh, Trump's election case, she's requesting that the trial begin come October. Two months from now would be a very quick trial date. And of course, you can look at uh, the political consequences for Donald Trump if, in fact, the judge were to begin this trial that quickly. That's correspondent Vaughn Hilliard, who says Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis asked for the racketeering trial to start on October 23rd. Trump urged prosecutors and judges to not begin their trials until the conclusion of the 2024 election. Kenneth Cheesebro was to have a speedy trial. She's been working on this investigation and this case if ultimately she were to bring an indictment, as she did, for two and a half years. And then one of the more interesting parts of this booking last night was this part. So we found out the president's weight and height, because that's part of the booking process. Former President Donald Trump, apparently, if you go by these latest stats, lost 25 pounds and gained an inch of height since last April when he was booked here in Manhattan. So the uh, 77-year-old's measurements indicate that Trump is 215 pounds with a height of 6'3". So that would be 25 pounds lighter and one inch taller than when he was booked back in April. So, of course, the question comes to rise is um, somebody have the stats wrong or could the president actually be growing?
Uh, could he have grown an inch? I mean, losing weight, that seems reasonable. Maybe he looked at himself uh, and said, I want to lose some pounds. So he lost 25 pounds. And with all the grief he's had, that might be enough to lose weight as well. But gaining an inch, I think someone must have their stats wrong. It's either in Manhattan or down in Georgia. All right, let's bring it back home. Mayor Adams returning to the city yesterday after spending several days in Israel. Adams got a firsthand look at police drone technology that's being used in Israel. So it is the methods in which they are using them, the methods in which they are training to use them is what uh, caught my interest. He's instructing now the NYPD to look into the possibility of integrating some of Israel's drone technology. They have some great drone technology on early detection of how to use uh, motorcycles to get to uh, incidents fast. 554, let's go up to Albany. New York Governor Kathy Hochul taking action yesterday to increase business for local farmers. She signed an executive order that requires all state agencies to increase the percentage of food they purchase from state farmers. A quarter of our landmass is dedicated to farming, 7 million acres, as I was saying before. It's the backbone of our state. The fresh food, the ensuring our food and beverages are delivered freshly. She says within five years, at least 30% of all food purchases will be locally grown and produced. It's part of my commitment produced. back in my first day of the state address. Do we increase the capacity of our food system and create more demand locally grown, meaning our farmers? All right, let's go down to New Jersey. Governor Phil Murphy trying to highlight the rich history and activities in central New Jersey. If you're not a New Jersey person, there's always been this debate. There's North Jersey, there's South Jersey, but what is central Jersey? Well, they're trying to draw a tourist map that will become official part of the state murphy signing legislation directing the division of travel and tourism to draw up a new tourism map that includes central new jersey central jersey is both a cradle of revolutionary history and of revolutionary possibilities and now it is time for the world to discover everything this region has to offer now you gotta go look and see what that might mean the uh, central jersey region will be compromised of uh, hunterton Mercer, Middlesex, and Somerset counties. The Division of Travel and Tourism will be required to promote overnight stays in some of these places. So that people, when they're making decisions about where to go and where to spend their time, they'll understand the, the, the rich diversity that we have here of people, the rich diversity of landscapes. Governor Murphy says uh, there's a uh, Revolutionary War history in central Jersey, uh, farmlands, uh, unique wineries, scenic parks, harvest festivals. I wish I had known all about this when I was growing up in central New Jersey. From our bountiful farmlands to our one-of-a-kind wineries, like the Old York Cellars or Unionville Vineyards, to name a couple, to our scenic natural parks. Yeah, so uh, central Jersey now an official part of the tourism map in New Jersey. And finally... Contestants on Jeopardy appear to have become increasingly upset over the beloved game show's refusal to pay basic travel expenses such as airfare and accommodations. Would you have ever guessed that, that if you become a contestant on Jeopardy, you have to pay your way to get to Los Angeles? That seems outrageous. And apparently now contestants pushing back against that, saying, wait a minute, that should be part of the gig. If I'm on the game show, I understand that uh, I've auditioned for this and I want to be on the show. But the least you could do is pick up my airfare and my hotel room. The uh, 
Jeopardy last year made $152 million in profit, okay? I mean, this is not an expensive show to produce, but boy, is it huge. It's the number one um, primetime game show on television. So now, instead of paying for people's room and board, the game show has agreed to give runners-up more money in their paycheck for appearing on the show. So it used to be that a runner-up would get a 1000 bucks in their paychecks for appearing on the show coming uh in september uh your second place person will get three thousand dollars which i guess will include your airfare and your hotel room but coming from new york that might not even pay for all of that and um in uh, second place or third place you'll get two thousand dollars uh, again but the tv show refusing to pick up the airfare and the hotel which by the way most game shows when they have contestants like this, they do pick up the tab, which seems a little crazy. I guess they figured either way, they get tons of people who want to be on Jeopardy who are willing to pick up that airfare and hotel.